what is on the server? I've actually thought about doing this, by the way. What is in the server in the basement? What's what's what is on it? It's gonna it would probably have either a massive CPU or two massive CPUs, multiple GPUs, undoubtedly, a crap ton of storage. You know, it would like what do you mean what is on it? Why does it have to be in the basement and it can't just be like on Google's property? Well, Cole discussed that. Yeah. He said that that's an option. Yeah, I'm saying. But you a, wanted a more tangible experience. You wanted to own your computer, and so that's you have our, the option to do that, or you can just have Google or Apple run it in their clouds. So, like, here's here's an instance, right? Final Cut Pro. You can't run Final Cut Pro on your iPhone, right? But let's say with this service, you have this server in your basement. You can run iCloud on that, and through this. You could experience. pull up Final Cut on your TV. You could pull it up on, on whatever. Your phone, yeah. You can do whatever you want with it, and have access to all of the stuff that you wouldn't be able to normally do. I now can still remote have, desktop into my Mac. Right, and it's essentially same thing, basically. It's a, yeah, that's essentially what it's doing, but it's a like a a more seamless. It was designed that thing. way. Easy to use version of that that like my parents could use. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, because I've considered doing this myself, like. I mean, obviously, I don't have a big house, right? But um, I would like my PC to basically just be the multifunction device that, you know, kind of does all that stuff. And, but, yeah, I look, could do it, but not everybody could do that, you look, know? Look, 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 let me explain this. If you have the basement and it runs Final Cut and you can remote desktop into the basement from your phone and run Final Cut on your phone, that's not inherently useful because... Final Cut is designed for a Mac. So if you get the same user experience on the phone, it's not going to be something that you use on the phone. I think he's saying it would be designed so that you could... And that's the thing. That's why you have a client app on the phone. Because the client app on the phone is the user interface. Hmm. And then it, it talks to the cloud. And that's what the cloud does. The cloud does all the machine language stuff. And mm-hmm. it doesn't have a user interface. The user interface and local storage is what a native app is. Imagine a future where local computing, like having a computer that can actually do stuff independently of the cloud, is a form of retro computing. (laughs) I, I believe that native apps should be vessels for the cloud. I agree Mm -hmm. with that. But I believe native apps still have to exist until the bandwidth improves dramatically. Mm-hmm. Once the bandwidth improves dramatically, you could immediately download a native app. Which is why we need Elon it. Musk. Which is why we need to send all of our money to Starlink well, right away. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I'm Starlink will fix it. <laughs> what I'm talking about here is why do we need to download things? if the streaming process could be so seamless. Like, the only reason why you would want to download, like, okay, let's say you render a video. Okay, if the streaming process could be so seamless, it's not, and it needs to be fixed in order for that to happen. I what agree do you mean? with you. I think if you use these services, it could do it. If you're not at home, you use cellular. Cellular is very unstable compared to Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi is very unstable compared to direct access to a hard drive. The internet is very bad. In America, at least. Using Final Cut at home, create this project. You render out that project. You upload that project to this service. YouTube, 
whatever the case is. What if the ecosystem and everything is so seamless that instead of sending it down, you're just to adding your phone, it to your collection. You're just adding it, yeah, just adding it to your phone. You're probably just doing that so you can airdrop it to somebody else or whatever the case is. But it would be the same as just sending them a link to that now uploaded video. Like, how? Why else would you? How else are you gonna show it? Mm -hmm. You know, if the internet, if I could trust the internet, my access to it, then. I would be fine with a what you call it a thin client. Mm -hmm. I would find I would be fine with everything being a thin client. I have no server in my basement. Everything is cloud based, and I just have interfaces that are good on all of my thin clients. My thin clients are interfaces. How how far away are we from this? I mean, I, th I about, think it, I think what it about could, Starlink. I think it could be done. What I th I think it could be done without improving the infrastructure. Uh, I think I think it would be rocky, but it could be done. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be improved. Without it. I think part of the key is having client-side software that allows the servers to not have to communicate a ton of high bandwidth crap. Like, so, so here's an example of that. I, that's what we have now is client-side software. Right. But thin client-side software. It's we're not talking... You have to understand, we're not talking about a, a situation... I'm not talking about my phone is nothing more than a remote desktop of a virtual phone somewhere else. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay. Because that's that's unreasonable. That's unreasonable. You would ha you have to have some local software, right? Native software. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah, we're just talking about offloading a whole lot more of it to the cloud. Like yes. what? Let I me don't think it could get much later than it already is. What super super high powered services are done online? You well, know, yeah, let's talk about videos. let's talk about video editing, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's a good example. Yeah. So like say you open your video editor app, what Final Cut, right? On my laptop. So let's just say um you get on your new futuristic, you know, 2025 Mac, yeah. right? Um and there is no Final Cut installed. All you do is say, "Hey Siri, open Final Cut." And uh what your Mac does in that instant is it communicates with the iCloud server, right? And downloads a Whatever. 5 megabyte program that that immediately launches or if you've used it before that 5 megabyte program is cached on your system, uh -huh. right? Uh and launches this. The program is not not much more than an interface, right? Uh -huh. The interface displays all the controls, you know, the 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 UI, right? Yeah. Every time you do something, every time you make an edit to a video, you're just remote controlling the real app on Apple servers that is doing all the heavy lifting, all uh -huh. the processing, right? Even when you interact with files, right? The files are stored on there. So so the um you you can you know you click file open or whatever yeah you're 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 basically looking in your iCloud files uh -huh. and you open from iCloud and there's no uploading or downloading that has to happen because it's all already in the server. You can't drive to the Apple server and give them your SD card. You have to upload it. Oh right. Well, okay. But, well, yes, that is the upload part. Yes. Yeah, that you're correct. That is the upload part. So the bottleneck but, is but always does, your ISP. But the thing is, is right now, iCloud. It's art that's already a service is uploading all of your media to the cloud. But does what does what I said make video files? Does what I said make sense? It could. Also, it would be way too slow. Here's a, here's an we interesting would need to point. The here's an interesting point. The concept I described is remarkably close to what the web already is. Mm -hmm. uh, you say I'd like to use this, and your computer communicates with a server, exactly. downloads a very small skeleton app, and 
that that app then communicates with the server from then on. That would be nice, but a graphics card is orders of magnitude faster than the internet. Mm-hmm. The internet is a pipe that is like so tiny compared to a graphics card, which is like a massive sewer right. line. But, but, but Google's <laughs> it's like the spigot of your water. If it's faucet. running Fortnite, it's a sewer line. But so, anyways, so Google Stadia—that's exactly what it's doing. Mm-hmm. And Google Stadia has a lot of interesting technology to make that work out. Basically, so for one thing, it's based on YouTube technology, right? It's a YouTube video, a live YouTube video that is yours. And um, to make it so that the game feels like you're playing it right then, despite the latency, it uses AI to actually predict which buttons you're going to push so that before you push the button, the video is already streaming to you of what would happen if you did press it. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. It has all this interesting technology to make it seem real time, even though it's the internet. So that's why I'm thinking techniques like that could make this idea a reality before any infrastructure advancement needs to be made. I think Julian is right that it, it is an infrastructure, but there's lots of steps towards that that can occur while infrastructure catches up to that. Mm-hmm. And we already see infrastructure growing with regards to that like Starlink and different things like that that could is the infrastructure that could support something like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know if FaceTime does this, but Google Duo um when yeah, when it doesn't. no, when someone uh when there's a connection drop momentarily and the part like there's like less than a second of video lost on the other end um google duo uses ai to fill in the gap so it's uh it seems as though there was no drop in connection there's a a really cool ai project that exists where they send one jpeg to your phone taken from the other camera and then they do a 3d facial map of the other person using the face id camera and they just animate the jpeg that they sent using AI and it's almost pixel for pixel accurate at this point already and it's insane dang yeah but it's not I mean nobody's doing it I love those AI photo processor services Mm -hmm. those are crazy so good okay I kind of think I know a little bit what I'm basing a lot of this stuff off of so Amazon web services Mm -hmm. when you research those it's like very very it's crazy all the different services that they have yeah. and all the different things that they're able to accomplish with it. But what I like is they have all of their packages have like base model packages that can be upgraded at any moment right. and any time. And it's just like, how great would that be? To oh, just... I just want to rent a M1 Max for a couple of days while I have this project. Or have, have like a base model M1 Mac. Mm-hmm. And, and then... One day you're like, oh, do you know what? I got some 16k footage. I'm gonna, I'm gonna upgrade my Mac for this week. Yeah. Render this stuff out and then just downgrade again. Yeah, you're just that's rent pretty it. much already a thing too, because there's a lot of those online AI services that let you pay per use. Yeah. Right. Like the, I know there's there's this one that uses a GPU cluster to um, remove vocals from songs and create karaoke's right. yeah, automatically. And you just pay like a dollar to use it, you know, so, something you could never do on your home PC, but you can use well, you there. Uh, 
you you can make a karaoke at home and you well, can make a pretty good one but to have an ai do it is what i'm saying no no, no. you the, couldn't have an ai, AI do it. could run on your home computer very easily yeah, I guess you're right. Processing an audio track wouldn't be that hard, now that I think of it. I mean... The servers are not that much more advanced than the tech we have at home right now. A Xeon well, processor... Well, that's just because of M1s and stuff. A Xeon processor is not much faster than an M1 Pro. Very not much right, at all. Right, but a massive cluster of them, on the other hand. Yeah. Right? You can't beat that. I guess I've just never seen it. The performance of that? Yeah. It's not something we really witness very much. So I think, I think what you, yeah, okay. What I'm talking about is a lot of that software and a lot of what Amazon Web Services does is industrial grade computing and mm -hmm. industrial grade web services. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. What I'm really talking about is Apple getting a hold of that and then bringing all of that infrastructure into the OS and revamping the whole iOS ecosystem to where all of that can just be run seamlessly. You want to be cloud first. You know, if I want to run it locally, I can buy the machines and do everything that I want to do. But if I want to do it on the cloud, I can do it I don't do think anybody's going to do that. I don't like that's not a thing that's interesting to me. I don't think anybody will buy the computer. Yeah. I think everybody would do it off the cloud. Yeah, same. And so I think that's like a big jump. For, I would. I think in a lot of ways it would make my life easier as far as like helping my parents do things or whatever the case is, or helping like a you know some elderly I just thought of something pretty cool. Upgrading their server package as opposed to having them buy new equipment that they don't know how to use or whatever. I just thought of something pretty cool that would be a side effect of that. Um, you could log into your Apple ID on somebody else's iPhone and then it would be your entire iPhone. You could just use, you could temporarily, as a guest, you could use their phone and it would be your phone. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's... It's already, Chrome OS already has that. I mean, just, just to just to point that out, if you log in with your Google account on somebody else's Chromebook, your entire Chrome OS shows up. But How sweet would that be? What if... I could log on to your computer here and have my entire desktop and all that. What if a Face ID got to the point where oh, it was it was that good that, that would be, it, it could keep track of all faces and just automatically log you in no matter what user experience you were on? The bottleneck for all of this is the web infrastructure that currently exists. None of this is possible. But I'm talking about a world where everything is... Everything is possible. Almost, almost everything is in the cloud. In order to facilitate that, we need much better ISPs. ISPs in America are garbage. Not if it's mainly streaming. Like, okay, your instance, you're talking about a very specific instance where you have created large amounts of content that need to be uploaded, right? Who else does? Yeah, I mean, more, most users could be fine with anything. I mean, most people use I their devices as a client for their email and nothing else i actually am very happy with our what 90 megabit per second internet here I've, I've, I've never had an issue with it when you use a remote desktop app you move the cursor and the cursor just follows it badly and then the whole screen just like glitches a lot which goes back to the fact that we're not talking about actually streaming the fully rendered interface we're talking about more of a web-like thing where the interface is running on your device but only the interface but even like Linus Tech Tips, like that's, I think that's been the problem in the past. But I think new softwares and new protocols have gone past that. 
like like with this with uh, Google Stadia. I just thought of another or, example of that. Or that software that Linus Tech Tips used. I just thought of another example of that, and it's one of the few cool things that Amazon has ever done, I think. The Silk web browser for um, the Kindle uh, tablets. Uh, I don't. It may not be like this anymore, but back when you know mobile chips were trash, uh, the Silk web browser managed to be one of the best performing um, mobile browsers. And the reason for that is because instead of just directly connecting to the page on your uh, tablet, the it would communicate with Amazon servers, and Amazon's server would connect to the page, basically a VPN, right? But Amazon would would connect to the page for you reinterpret it into a into a form that could more easily be run on a garbage silk tablet and uh, or a kindle tablet right and then transmit that to you what you didn't know is all of the websites were already owned by Amazon anyway. <laughs> right, right. And Chrome has a feature like so that. So it doesn't even download it. It's exactly. already on the server. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then that same server is just changing it. Exactly. It's just creating I, a render file right. for you to look at. Exactly. So, so I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know if Safari has anything like this. Chrome has a similar feature that you can turn on if you want. It's called light mode. What, reading mode, basically? No, no, light mode. L-I-T-E mode. Um it's mostly for saving data. According to Chrome, I've saved 50 megabytes of data it's since just, um, November 8th. But anyways, so what it does... What's that thing that Google caches all websites in the world? The web cache? AW, it makes like a... Google web cache. Mm, yeah, sort of. But here, let me explain what how light mode is. Here. You know you go to a website and it's like something.google.whatever.whatever, but it's the actual website? Yeah, yeah. that's the web cache. Okay. Mm-hmm. But um, here's light mode. It says, when you use light mode, some of your web traffic may go through Google servers before being downloaded to your device. If the page is loading slowly, Google servers may simplify it so that less data gets downloaded to your device. Most of the time, your pages will look and work the same. 120 frames per second video stream is a lot harder to transmit than the remote control buttons you would click it's for, true. for Final Cut. It's so true. if you could render the image on the device and just send the remote control key commands and all that stuff, that's the only thing being transmitted to the server. And then the server is just like kind of headless. That'd be great. That would probably work. Yeah. What if um, potentially... For games, that's not going to work. But for an app, it's going to work. Yeah. Potentially. I mean, what if your client had a crap ton of RAM? I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of you know, going against our thin client thing. But if it had a lot of RAM... It could cache a huge portion of the video, so you could play it back. And and while the while the rest of it is buffering, it's cycling it through the RAM. Like say your video, like say your video is like 25 gigabytes, mm -hmm. and maybe your device has 16 gigs of RAM. Mm -hmm. And let's say like eight gigabytes of it is available to this thin client app that you're using. Yeah. And are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. Right. Crazy you edit in crap quality, and then it ends, and then the final product is rendered HD. So that's similar to what I was gonna say. But if you really wanted to work with the full quality yeah, it's material, like the opposite of the light. Right. Browser. Yeah. It's like sending you the light version of what's actually being stored. Yeah. What so you're if saying you want is you to could work... get like a little bit of the really good thing instead of a lot of it of the bad thing. Yeah. If you wanted to work with with full quality material, potentially, you could. If internet speeds were fast enough. Well, let's you just, could just keep cycling through. Yes. Let's just say you had 
let's go, go back to what I was saying. If you had 16 gigs of RAM, eight gigs were available for this client app, right? The app could, um, you know, cache portions of the video, you know, let's say it has eight, eight gigabytes out of this 25 gigabyte total video and you start playback, right? And it plays through, you know, and as it plays through, your computer is deleting the the stuff that you've watched and downloading, you know. Right. It, I'm basically describing the streaming process, mm -hmm. but. But the opposite. Right. You're you're actually describing like the upload streaming process. Mm -hmm. That's like that's brilliant. Mm -hmm. That's brilliant. I think if we could get, and all this stuff makes sense. If we could get a video editor working in the cloud, you could do anything else because the video editor is probably the most intensive thing that a computer can do. Well, other animation than, is other right than, next to that. But I mean, you could, yeah, just render, render the stuff out in the cloud. But here's, here's even what so, I'm animation out. is polygons, so right. that's a lot of compute power of processing power as opposed to video, which is a bunch of saved, already rendered like image files which are right. larger storage raster wise. versus vector yeah exactly so process that's not a problem because all those clusters in the cloud could do that that's fine they can oh, go okay. do that that's so even video editing is even harder for internet than that so here's what i think is crazy right we've discussed all of this right of how all of this could be possible yeah and that is essentially with our concept and the ideas of how Final Cut runs at the stage that it does right now. Yeah. Could you imagine the amount of improvements and how like much you built changes? Final Cut from the ground up, cloud first. Cloud first, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, it would be crazy, crazy difference in how it operates, how it manages files, how it does we things. We should get there. I'm on board. Let's do it. Yeah. It's so funny. It's so funny because I've always thought to myself, I mean, this is a bit of a tangent, but it's kind of, it's, it's, it's totally along the lines of what you were saying. I, um, almost every digital audio workstation I've ever used, yeah. I've thought, this sucks. I hate this interface. I think we could have a way better... I, I've always thought there could be a way better and more forward-thinking uh, program for making music on a computer. I think I think I just don't think there's been enough innovation there. And I've always thought Should to use my logic. Though no. um, it's good. This is a. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. But from what I've seen, most digital audio workstations are pretty much the same. And um, I, I yeah I I've, I have all these ideas. This is like this is like a hobby project that I will probably never do, but something I've thought about. And if I were to make if I were to create my own digital audio workstation, it would be it would be different in a lot of ways. Gabe Daw. <laughs> yeah yeah, perfect name. Um, so it would be extremely cloud oriented because that's just how I think. And I would want to use a lot of AI filters for the audio. Like I would want this, I would want this workstation to have. So Google DAW would. <laughs> basically, yeah. I would want this workstation to. I like, for example, I would want. Um, there's a one of the one of the more innovative DAWs that I've been inspired by is called Isotope RX. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of that one? And it's the Isotope is known for being like, uh, you know, creating a lot of technological wizardry in the yeah. audio field because Isotope is able to edit audio like Photoshop edits right. pictures, right? So Isotope can you you can take Isotope and be like, oh look at this this this, you know, this audio someone someone shouts right in the middle right. of it and I want to remove it. Isotope can get it out of there and it'll sound perfect. Yeah. 
I've done that in audition before too. It, it's audition is pretty stinking yeah. good too. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I want, I want to use AI for these effects. Mm-hmm. I want, I want you to be able to, to like select a piece of sound you want to remove and an AI just gets it out of there perfectly. And, and not even just for removing things, you know, um, there's all sorts of ways you could use AI, like in music. Mm-hmm. I mean, the possibilities are endless. And the data stream is so low that AI could just like obliterate it, like mm-hmm. you just steamroll it. So possibly, possibly, my DAW would be a subscription service. Yeah. I've thought about it. Mm-hmm. You you would you could pay like you know maybe fifteen dollars a month or something to use this DAW and have unlimited access to the cloud yeah. AI processing totally. features of it. That's but, a great idea. So I think you all have convinced me everything should be cloud first. Here's also the the thought process behind mm-hmm. this, right? Also, I just want ISPs to be better. They're bad. Continue. Yeah. We all want that. Yeah. We all want that. The other thing is the average person in the world generally has an office and they have a home office and they have maybe their family has things. If it was all designed to like work harmoniously together mm-hmm. and you could access like to be able to log into work pull up a file that you wouldn't be able to normally do yeah and it all just like syncs harmoniously and between each other and you could do that from home and when you're at work you could do stuff that's on your home computer and vice versa or if it's in the cloud service it could be done that way but it just it all just like works and syncs and your whole life is together through this like interface of your cell phone yeah that's great i mean cloud first we'll do that you know Mm -hmm. i'm I think what I'm was kind of getting at with the ISP stuff is here we're kind of spoiled. We have decently reliable 100 down, 70-ish up. Which is pretty awesome. Which is pretty awesome. But in the rest of, of the U.S., I'm not saying other countries, Europe has this figured out, by the way. Mm. I could go on a rant about that. Mm. Europe is has fantastic internet speeds. But in the U.S., um, there was recently an infrastructure push to get all of America access to broadband speeds. And according to the FCC, broadband means 25 down and three up. And that's what they're trying to get everybody access to. Back home, I had eight meg down. That's what people eight megabits. don't even have. Mm-hmm. Three up yeah, is yeah. insane. Obama Obama created this. I don't know if this is what you're talking about, but yeah. Obama gave this like billions of dollars yes. grant to all of the big telecom companies and told them like, please. The Biden administration is doing the same thing. Please, can yeah. we have better internet? And apparently, as, as far as we can tell, the companies pocketed the money and did nothing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, that's completely accurate. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I'm saying the broadband situation in the U.S. is abysmal. Mm-hmm. But what Europe did is they built the Stupid entire... Stupid big telecom, big telly. The, what Europe has done is they laid a ton of fiber. Mm-hmm. The government laid fiber mm-hmm. everywhere. And then they rent access to that fiber to telecom companies. So all telecom Sounds companies... Sounds like socialism to me. All telecom companies have exactly the same data rates because they have the maximum data rates. Mm. And... They just have to compete on prices. I think capitalism is a better solution to this. Capitalism has given us Starlink, which right now does not work. (laughs) I don't want to hear any more of your communist propaganda. (laughs) Europe did it. Everybody in Europe has great internet speeds at affordable prices. And America is abysmal. I like Verizon. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
<laughs> they probably believe in net neutrality over there too. <laughs> oh, they sh- do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but obviously, like, all right, I don't like Verizon. I like AT and T. No, they're worse. They just buy HBO okay, and take o- it. Okay, Comcast. No. <laughs> Parent company of all things evil. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> yeah. No. But yeah, seriously. I, I hope this part stays in. I will. This is funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But obviously, without the U.S.'s take on all this, we wouldn't have Starlink at all, and some, some innovation is probably beneficial to the the globe but anyway we i think we've talked this out quite thoroughly do you all yes that was indulgent yeah that was very indulgent we've talked for uh three and a half hours on this this topic so we'll see how much i can edit this down to but i just love this because how often do you get to have such an in-depth conversation about like technology the current state of it the future of it i don't think normally we would just do this at work and we were limited by the fact that we were working right yeah and and exactly but also like there are very few people who like are on a similar level of of in-depthness yes on all this technology we are elite yeah we are elite so i appreciate this conversation a great deal yes me too hopefully you guys at home um never listen to this except the like six other nerds out there who are as interested in this as we are right and hopefully you listen to this every day on your commute to work so yeah i guess thanks so much for listening guys see you in the next one oh yeah